What's up, guys? Ryan here with Modern Day Sniper, and thanks for listening to now episode 90 of the Modern Day Sniper podcast. For those of you that have been listening for a while, thanks so much for the support. For those of you that are new here, our podcast is essentially about providing relevant information in all things precision rifle. Uh, some of it's more tech topics, some of it's more casual. And for instance, in this topic here, Phil and I discuss our debrief from the NRL Hunter team division that we just did the other weekend. And talk about the good and the bad and how we worked through our workflow of the competition overall it was a phenomenal experience and the venue was amazing and the match that was put together was well done uh, but we go ahead and talk about all the little finer points with that and we kind of get into a little bit of what we have coming up for the rest of the year including scoped carbine so a uh, little plug here Scoped Carbine's coming up. Our first one's going to be in September, and please go to the Modern Day Sniper website, and you will see our events there. So we have four Scoped Carbines coming up, and that is going to be September, October, November, and December. The December one is coming on the calendar, but it is a go. Uh, if you guys are also new to us and what we are, we have the Modern Day Rifleman Network. It is free to join, and it's a good environment full of positivity where people are just trying to learn from each other. And as always, thanks so much for your support. Yeah, so about two weeks ago, we, uh, I shouldn't say two weeks now, about a week, week and a half ago, we shot the General Hunter down in Price, Utah, hosted by Hornady, match director of Earl Dallin, and super, super fun event. Uh, it was my second time being at that venue for an General Hunter, first time as a team. I had shot that venue um, twice before, again, one at an NRL Hunter event and one at a uh, PRS event, uh, individual shooting only. Um, super awesome venue. I think when you look at uh, being a rifleman and all of the field positions that you kind of find yourself in, in that uh, specific location, I think it's perfect, especially for a uh, hunter or even a a sniper that's getting ready to deploy into field conditions, right? It definitely is not your typical traditional like flat square range where you've got, you know, man-made props and, and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. I thought it was a really cool venue. It was also good being able to go out there. Uh, it was kind of a little bit of range recon for us also because we have that uh, scope carving an intro to precision course um in october there so i was it was good to be able to get eyes of the uh on the lay of the land and kind of see how to go about stuff but as far as the competition goes there i thought the venue was great for that as well um they had closer distances but had the ability for far distances as well and then you had switchy winds depending on what stage you were at. So overall, I thought it was well-organized. The venue was amazing. The experience was great. I, this was only my second competition, my first NRL hunter, but second comp. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it. I had a great time. I would absolutely do it again. What was some of the things as you were getting, as we were getting ready for the event, cause we had a lot going on, you know, we had our Oregon class and we had, um, essentially you coming over to the modern day sniper team. 
uh, and learning kind of all the behind the scenes of what goes on to truly running a training company like full time, <laughs> right? And it's not, it's a lot. It is a lot. And, and I think one of the things that people uh, don't see on social media is A, the fact that like this is all we do, right? Like, you know, we are like how we put food on the table is by training people how to be proficient with their uh, equipment and their rifles, whether they're civilians or military law enforcement snipers, um, you know, and we use social media as obviously a marketing tool uh, where nowadays I think you and I can both agree where like a lot of people are using social media to, um, you know, as, as, as the cool kids call it, or the, the kids call it nowadays, shill products, right? <laughs> Um, it's a necessary evil. Yeah, it is. Um, but you know, with, with that being said, not, not to go down a rabbit hole, but you came out on the team, you find out, okay, this is a lot more than what I thought it was. So, you know, we kind of brought you in to understand all the, all the background stuff that goes on with modern sniper. So that was probably, um, a, a huge learning curve for you. Uh, and you know, we didn't shoot as much as I would say that we probably wanted to in yeah. preparation for the event. We did get some training um, events in, um, but what do you think was vital to somewhat of our, our success, right? You know, taking third place at the event is, is it's not terrible, right? But obviously we would, guys like us, we would have wanted to have won, won that even with a yeah. super stacked field. But what were some of the things in preparation for the event that you think made us successful? Our communication, where we don't, we you and I don't get a tendency to get all doctrinal in our shooter-observer communication, and we just talk like we're having a conversation now. Uh, and kind of like we teach at in-person classes, like, same thing. Like, I, I can't stand when I hear shooter-ready, spotter up send when ready like all that stuff it takes time and it's just so doctrinal and honestly it's dumb so the fact that we can just flow through be like hey what do you see dude like all right you see that mountain ridge right there and then just being able to talk on like all right take that finger all right now you see that draw there's a target right there and just being able to talk also knowing um the terrain associations and then being able to communicate that i thought is what lets us get on target quicker. So like we say, move fast, shoot slow, allows us to worry about positions. And then also coming up with a, a game plan, if you will, like, Hey, you just start out finding targets on binos. I'll worry about the position. Let me build a shooting position. That's stable instead of us both looking for it. And now I got to rush to build a position, uh, because I trust you. So I know you'll find the targets 90, 8% of the time. And then by the time I get up, um, I'll be situated. And then if you, in the event you haven't found all targets yet, which there was only a, a couple instances I can think of where you haven't, most of the time you did, that now you got a second set of eyes, I'm up and I'm ready to go. And I can help you find. Um, so I think our ability to communicate, <coughs> excuse me, our ability to communicate and think through the process and just act as every target is its own individual process. Our, our ability to do that, I think, is what allowed us to 
not do as good as we wanted to, but do well, I guess you can say. Um, but yeah, I'd say those were probably the biggest takeaways. We, like you said, we didn't get to shoot as much as we wanted to. It's just been frankly chaotic the past couple of weeks, just between, you know, the Oregon trip, which was amazing. Uh, and then we're rushing, trying to develop a load for the rifle. Um, I'd say the biggest weakness though, if I had to say a weakness would be my lack of confidence, not in my skill set, just kind of like in the equipment. Cause again, like it's, it was your rifle. I barely got a chance to shoot it. And I was just, it started to get to my head where I was like, all right, we're like a couple days out and we're still having a hard time developing a load for this. Um, and so like I started to lose confidence between velocities weren't there, but the group was, the groups are there, but the velocity's not. Um, and it was just starting to get to my head that, and then we get to the competition and I kind of, I wouldn't say forgot it. I just kind of put it in the back of my mind. I just focused on the task at hand, but then it <laughs> came to my forefront of my mind when day one dope started falling off and that started to mess with my head a little bit. Cause I was like, I freaking knew it. I was like, of course something was going to happen on this. And that was just like my pessimistic side coming out. But I'd say what kept us up there though, is still our fact of communication. Like you seeing where that round one, even in a negative sense, it's like, Hey, we're just going to take a 10th off all your dope. So that goes back to that communication skill and, just trusting each other and then it was fine. And then like we led, we read, ran into day two that way, subtracting dope. And I only dropped one round that entire day. Um, had some hiccups on day one, but <laughs> other than that kind of cleaned it up on day two. Uh, and then I started getting concerned cause our roles basically shifted and like day two, like day one, you only dropped like two rounds, I think. And then, <laughs> excuse me, day two, it's like we shifted uh, roles, if you will. Your dope started having issues, and I communicated it with you, and we were back on the same page. And we're like, "Well, it's happening to you now, so now we got to adjust on the fly, take this off your dope, and just roll with it." So I think that's kind of what hurt us. I mean, hurt is a strong word, but I'd say that's probably where why we didn't take first is part of it because our communication was fine. Our body positions were relatively fine setting up positions. So I think we work overall. I think we work really well together as a team. Yeah. I think looking back at the event, you know, if, especially the fact that we got footage uh, for every single stage. And when people see this, you know, once all the, the all the videos are out in the series, which shameless plug, there's already a um, one YouTube video up on the Modern Day Cyber YouTube channel. Shill. The uh, NRL Hunter <laughs> prep uh, for you guys that have missed it. Uh, but no, I, I mean, I plan on uh, releasing every single stage that we shot, right? Yeah. In full transparency in terms of like, hey, what went wrong? Um, but, and it's going to be no secret that the target sizes were were pretty generous for the conditions. Um, I agree. The most that we held, this was on day one, you know, was on that that raccoon slash badger target, whatever we want to call it. Pretty sure it was a raccoon. It was an uh, antelope, I at think. At like 860 <laughs> yards. And, uh, you know, we were uh, holding anywhere between 1.4 to 1.7 uh, for about a, a 8 to 10 mile an hour wind. 
right? And that was the, the most that we held all week. And then even, you know, before that, I would say that out of all the shots we did miss, probably four or five of them came from wind and the, everything else came from elevation, right? Um, whether it be forget the dial or just right over the top or right underneath it. Um, and then for me, not taking the time, and this is, you know, kind of a, a bad habit that I've, or I shouldn't say a bad habit, like a training score that I've gotten from uh, shooting in, in individual competitions or, or just me always advocating for following up as fast as you can to beat the wind. Well, I took that and I followed up without actually giving any kind of uh, solid correction. So what would happen uh, I, as I watched my trigger cam videos for the the two targets I dropped on day two, I mean, I my first shot was just like a tenth low underneath the target, and then I'd make a gross adjustment over the back, and then my reticle would, or my bullet would go exactly where my reticle went. And so that was a little frustrating. So, you know, for me, the learning point there is to slow down, especially with the Enderal Hunter, knowing that we have got time. Because uh, we, I mean, we barely made time for a couple stages, but we time wasn't an issue for uh, for us at all. Yeah, we never timed out throughout the uh, throughout the stages. But um, I think the you know couple of takeaways in preparation for it is just uh, you know I shot a six five by forty seven, um, which is a, a rifle that I built specifically for the Enerol Hunter and. Um, you know, I, I'm liking that round a lot more than a Creedmoor in terms of like reloading. Uh, but because we decided to shoot as a team, the only other carbon barrel that I knew that would make weight was my 6.5 Creedmoor. So I think leading up to the match, although I knew that we had good intentions of wanting to one run one bullet in the same velocity, the trick was getting the velocities of the rifles to shoot well right and confidently um you know and honestly looking back because of how vertically forgiving the target was like i wouldn't worried about be more worried about wind calls i'd, I'd be more worried about like what our elevation was uh, granted this was just one match and i know that like if if uh the venue changed or if if you know we shot at a different venue and there was more wind i think it would be um easier to have uh you know a, a rifle two rifles that are ex exactly the same maybe like 10 feet per second off so yeah um i think you're right i think I, I think our workflow was uh was really good our priorities of work and that's one thing that you know we ironed out prior to going to the event is like hey what is what do these courses of fire look like right um and what does our workflow look like in a team in terms of like, okay, hey, um, who's finding targets first? Who's who's ranging targets? And then um, I think at first, based off the videos I was watching and just remembering the flow, I mean, at first we were kind of just, you know, both getting on glass at, at, at the first, at both of us with glass, with the binos. And then it just rolled into, like you said, you building a shooting position while I set up glass, found targets, and then walked you on from there. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I think that worked specific to that venue because the fact that the targets were a lot easier to find than, than again, the first time that I ran through that event. Uh, but I could see 
other events being more difficult in terms of target acquisition. So I don't want to prime my brain thinking that, hey, the next time we shoot the, an event like this, that, that we'd be able to both find targets uh, as quickly as we did this venue. That's fair. I would have really liked to run that my AI. I just, that AI is naturally a little heavier. I think the biggest thing, I think I could have made weight with it if I had a carbon barrel, like a nice, I don't want to say 20 inch because then our velocities are going to be too drastically different, but maybe a 22 inch suppressed carbon barrel, I think would make weight, especially whenever the day comes that I can afford another ZCO and go with the 420 model. That'll make, make it lighter on top of the carbon barrel for the AI and 6.5 Creed. And then I think that would make weight and I would just have more confidence in, hey, this is my setup and running that. Because inherently it's like, yeah, a rifle's a rifle, which I shot your rifle fine, but it's, there's something to be said about having confidence. Like this is your gun. Like, you know, your gun. Um, and, but yeah, other than that, I don't think, I liked our game plan on day two, which is inevitable. You're going to go through day one and then see what you liked and what you didn't like debrief at the end of the day and then roll with it in day two, where <coughs> the, I decided to, uh, bail on binos for day two. Like I didn't even bring the harness. And I liked that idea because one, we knew how relatively easy it was to see the targets in the first place. And then two, um, I'm not a huge fan because like trying to lay prone, I'd have to, it would interfere sometimes. And I found I never used it because you kept finding them almost, almost every single time you found them as I was setting up the position. So I never even needed to pull them out. And then the one time that I knew you you didn't find them. I was like, okay, well, I at least have a rifle scope. And so, uh, in a weird, in a weird way, uh, that first stage of day two was like a huge confidence booster because it was, uh, apparently no one up until us had found that second target based on where the sun was. And it was just a gray little diamond, like on the horizon of the sun. And it was a, like a broader field of view, if you will, of left and right lateral limit. <laughs> and so, you had a hard time finding that one, which was probably the only one that you had a hard time finding, um, understandably so. And then I just hopped on the rifle scope and I guess I got lucky and I just kind of pictured what your field of view was because you were at the aiming stake behind me. And then I looked at the, your right lateral limit and I was like, okay, well, if I was in Phil's position, it would probably be somewhere in this area for the far right. And so I just scanned that area, took the ridge line. And then found it with just a rifle scope. So I was like, okay, well, just running the rifle scope was good enough, at least for this competition, in my opinion, um, especially when you were on binos. So I like that game plan that we did, and then we did way better on day two, I thought. Um, yeah, now overall, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I definitely want to do another one. Um, I would probably just run factory ammo and run my AI if I can get a carbon barrel by that time frame. I won't get a ZCO by that time, but if I can find a lighter weight optic, I think that'd be cool. I actually might be interested in trying that with a gas gun because no one did it with a gas gun. So I was like, hmm. During the, uh, what was it, the intros, if you will, and the safety brief, they were asking, like, has anyone got a gas gun? No one raised their hand, and I was like, I should have brought a gas gun just to prove a point. <laughs> but What point would you be proving, though? That you can do it with a gas gun. 
I mean, you could do it with a gas gun, but are you going to do as equally as well as you would with a bolt gun? No, probably not. Yeah. Now, my reason for saying to prove a point is just the fact of like to show that you can do it, but it's the sense of, I know we're there to like win, but at the same time, it's like, I also want to do it for me because yeah. I mean, competition is also to make yourself better. And so I kind of would be interested in running it with a gas gun. Now I wouldn't do it probably as a team event because it's now reliant, like your life is also in my hands too. So it's like, I don't want to handicap us as a team where now it's affecting you just so I can try to prove a point to myself. Uh, now, if I did that, <coughs> excuse me, if I did that event as an individual again, yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably bring my LMT if I can find a load that I really like for it or whatever the case, I would probably hand load for that just to try and squeeze as much precision out of a gas gun, actually hand load for that one. Um, and try and run that. But those targets were very forgiving as far as when my only concern would be like the elevation as far as the groupings go. Um, but that comes down to the gun driving that semi-auto platform better and um, getting a good load for it and trusting the dope. I don't know. It's probably not a smart idea, but it's just something I'd, I'd be curious to try. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I've always, I've always had the idea of going to... Uh, competition with you know um, uh, uh, production rifle, and I've done that. I've done a local match with production rifles and done well. Um, but like a two day national level match, uh, I just like I think just because I haven't been able to shoot well lately in in a uh, in a two day event, um, I wanted to maximize the amount of points that I could get. But let's say if I were to do well already with three matches under my belt, this is assuming that I'm shooting PRS, um, I would eventually, you know, shoot with like a like a factory option off the shelf that's under, you know, or like a production class, right? Like so, like Matt Alwine, who was in the team, who won team with John Pinch uh, for the uh, for the Enero Hunter. He this past weekend they shot Hornady PRC and with his Savage got fifth place out of 190 shooters at the Hornady PRC with, you know, a Savage BA-110, right? Which, like, I mean, my hat's off the mat because I, I would not be able to, I wouldn't be able to tolerate the uh, efficiency of that bolt throw. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I, I, in my opinion, like, shooting a precision rifle, like, is all about the experience. And the experience, a part of that experience is how you effectively can run the bolt. That's fair. Uh, but granted, it's like running your bolt doesn't, you know, like open uh, your group size. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> open your group size, right? So, uh nice job, Matt, this past weekend. Um but yeah, dude, um so yeah, the couple things that we, you know, kind of had issues with during the actual event, the Enero Hunter um, was one getting complacent for me, at least day one, stage one, where we ran up and thankfully it was a pretty easy stage. I'm on the, on the stages that we barely made time. I know for a fact that uh, if we started on that stage with my first day, first stage hiccup, we would have, we would have, uh, suffered for it. But essentially 
um, on very first stage, uh, we had met up with a bunch of shooters from down in St. George, one of our students, uh, Tanner, uh, who attended our class last year, attended my class last year at Advanced Competition Clinic, um, and some of the other guys, and we were just kind of catching up. I think uh, the guys from Preferred Barrels, too, were in our squad, so we were just kind of introducing ourselves, talking to them, and uh, I just forgot to completely load my mags. So <laughs> we got to the first stage, Ryan shot first, found the targets, shot him, and then I go up to grab my magazines. I grab the first one, realize it's completely empty, and I knew at that point the second one was going to be empty because I don't remember loading my magazines. And I remember leaving them empty so that I could have room in my bullet binder to have all my brass when I found them. So that was, a, that was, that was an issue. And it wasn't then, even an issue. I know it wasn't an issue. So we cleaned the first four stages. And you know when you do well, right, um, this is kind of going to the mindset aspect, is like when you start doing well, right? The little inkling gets kind of, you know, starts getting into your head of like, oh man, I, I think we can win this, right? I, um, I had the opposite effect. <laughs> uh, what do you mean? So I had the reverse effect where it was like, you like, go ahead, finish your thought process on that. Cause then I'm going to tell my thought process. No, I, I think, I think what it is, is, is the fact that, you know, you, you start doing well and in, in your head, cause I've, 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 I've done this is like, it's like, Hey, like, dang, I think we can win this or do relatively well. Um, because I'll be honest, I was a little intimidated when, when I did see the lineup of teams that were there. Uh, you know, you had, uh, John and Matt Alwine who by themselves are, uh, winners of the NRL Hunter in their own division. Then you had uh, Brian Black and Mike Anderson from Lone Peak, uh, who are obviously business partners, but um, they shoot really well together and individually. And then um, Scott Peterson from the AMU, right? And then uh, I think Jaden uh, Miller from XLR and his teammate, I'm not sure what her name was, but uh, apparently they've been doing really well this year. Uh, and then us, right? And then I think there was, I think, 17 teams overall yeah. uh, with, for that for that event. So I was a little intimidated in the fact that I hadn't shot a match in six months. It was our first time shooting a match together. I was like, hmm, I think we're going to do well. But I hope that, you know, we at least place within the top, you know, top three or top five, whatever. And so when we started doing well, cleaning the first four stages, I was like, oh, I think we can, we can win this. And then as soon as I said that in my head, <laughs> Ryan ruined it for us. <laughs> we started, uh, AKA bleeding points is what, uh, you know, you, we call it when you're, when you're at a, <laughs> a match and each stage, each stage, each stage is cleanable. My, my mindset with it was kind of reversed. It was like, twofold one it started to get in my head at first where i was like hey we cleaned the first four stages and i was like i was saying too bad and then um it started again in my head where i was like yeah we could do really well and then that byproduct was oh god when am i going to screw this up and so that was that stage then the fifth stage where we ended up <coughs> i went into it with a poor mindset where i was like man when's it when am i going to throw around and it was that stage I threw around, but it was the last target, last position. And I was like, 
Hmm. Okay, well, this is the last shot. Let's see how it goes. This is probably going to be the one I pull. And it, I felt like a super clean break, like I was prone. That reticle was right on the antelope's body. Broke that shot, and you said, and I saw a splash, and I was like, God damn it, I missed it. There it was. And I thought maybe it was mindset, but you were like, it went over the back. And I was like, there's no way. Like, that, I understand there's mindset, but then there's like, all right, dude, like I know my fundamentals. That shot should have hit. And I just like, whatever, I'll just chalk it up to a mindset thing. And then I went into the next stage with you thinking like, I wasn't sure if it was a dope issue or I don't know, is it mindset? What's going on? I just chalked it up to mindset. I was like, whatever, I'll roll with that. Get a better mindset. Uh, we go to that next stage then. And there was a big kind of lull between before we started that next one. And then, uh, one of the guys, I forgot his name. He was talking to us about movers. Um, Tanner, that was it. Yeah. And so he was talking to us about movers. I guess I should have used that as a clue that, hey, there's probably a mover coming up, but I didn't even think about it. So we were talking to him about that. And now we go into the next stage. <clears throat> and I was like, all right, whatever. Fresh stage. Let's do this right. And I forgot to dial dope for the first target. And I saw that splash low. And I was like, that wasn't that wasn't the mover stage. It was a stage prior. Yeah, it was the that one's next, but the one prior to that going up. We we were talking about movers before oh, we even before got to we that got stage. To stage yeah. Yep. So I yeah stage twenty one. Yep. And I forgot to dial dope, and I would have cleaned that stage if it wasn't for that. But I had a a newbie mistake, and hey, it happens. And that further put me in the rabbit hole of my mindset, where I was like, oh my god, this is just not going well. Clean the rest of that stage um, once I dialed the dope, and then. That was in my mindset when we went to stage 22, which had the mover. And I was using, uh, or my my game plan when I saw the mover, you said there was a mover, was, oh, I'm going to use the technique that I use for movers that I posted on on Instagram and enough people probably know my method with that by now because I've talked about it enough. But um, it got in my mind because we had the stationary links first, and I broke a clean shot, again, prone, just like that previous stage, stage 20 it was, where the first round I dropped. And I broke a clean shot that 100% should have been a hit. And then instead it goes over the back. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me right now? And this is where I started being like, all right, I know this ain't me. And then, so I came down, you said come down like a 10th or whatever, but I was like, well, a tenth realistically should have at least been in it based on how stable that position was. So I came down to two tenths and then guess where it went? Freaking two tenths low. And I don't know if it like skimmed the gut and then hit the T post or hit T post or whatever, but he's like, uh, I'll give that to you. So now that's in my mind and we transition to the mover. And then my one, two, three count should have been a one, two, three, four count. Cause it was closer to 400 yards, not 300. Uh, now I was also kind of the Guinea pig for us being the first shooter with like wind calls and, what the lead should be. Um, so I missed those on top of dope issues. And then my lead was off and that was hands down the worst stage. And so I started to feel bad because I'm like, dude, like this is a team event and like I'm affecting, cause you hadn't dropped like anything at that point, I think. And so I was like, I'm screwing Phil up here. Cause I'm like, I'm going to let Phil down and, all his fans here, because like every stage we go to, are you Philip Leo? Are you Philip Leo? Are you Philip Leo? And so I was like, man, they're, I'm going to give Phil a bad freaking uh, uh, rep if we don't place well here. And so, I mean, the benefit with me being a nobody is like, 
who's Ryan? No one cares if I drop those rounds. And so the, I was more concerned with like screwing you over at that point. And so now at this point of like, my mindset went from concern to I'm getting pissed and like, there's no reason this should be happening. And so luckily we had a, a nice break for lunch and all that stuff. And then we cleaned those prairie dogs after lunch and that was a good confidence booster. And I kind of got out of my funk from that point and we just rolled with it with coming down a 10th and we had pretty good success from that point. Um, but yeah, so that was, well, that was a long explanation of my mindset, but. Well, so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, you, you did have a little, I shouldn't say mental breakdown. Um, but, uh, you were just getting off of your, uh, your normal flow, right? Yeah. And this is why it's always good to stick to a system that I tell people, right? In terms of like, if you don't have a system, then you're, all you're thinking about is all the mistakes that you just previously did, have done up until that point. Um, and you're not focusing on what needs to happen next, right? So, uh, you know, I, I told you, hey, just download your mags, make sure you have all your brass, and then just get ready for the next stage. Uh, and I, I know that it's easier said than done, but that just goes with, you know, years of competing, right? But um, again, I, I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to go down there to to win the match. I want their A, to grab, exp for you to to understand and see uh, the different types of shooting events um, that are out there. And then B, uh, mainly to grab, uh, I would say content, right? Because I haven't seen, at least I haven't seen on YouTube, um, the concerted effort of putting um, team events uh, on 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 YouTube, you know, especially with trigger cam footage, yeah, right. Uh, you know, you do see, and like nowadays, like I, it's hard to watch. And this is just me. It's hard to watch somebody that just posts a video of them shooting, right? Just because it's like, okay, like you know, sure, everything on the exterior looks good, but what does your what does your uh, stability look like, and what does your recoil management look like? It's what right? sells, though. Um, and so. That's one thing that I wanted to to mainly grab is exposure for you, grab some content from the event, and then just be able to get back into the competition swing. Um, and we've got, and I know we at least needed to shoot for the Enter Hunter. You have to at least shoot one event um, in the category to uh, qualify for the the championship. Um, so. I think at the championship, though, we'll we'll be we'll be uh, we'll have our uh, work put out for us because um, uh, Brian Morgan and Travis have been doing really well in the in the circuit as a team together. Oh, is Morgan going to be there? Uh, I I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. Uh, so I like him. Um, but it'd be cool just to you know go and and uh, and uh, see that and shoot that venue. It's um, down in Laramie. I think Colin's putting it on this year. I heard nothing but good things about that 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 match and that venue. So um, I'll be looking forward to if we do have it in our capacity based off our training schedule to go shoot that. I mean, it's only about a six and a half hour drive away. What other, when is that? Uh, that's uh, at the like third week of August, I believe, is when it is. Damn, that's like the week before my competition. I got coming up. I'm doing real world. Uh, I think it's the first weekend of September with a uh, Craig. We got to prep for that. So, not gonna lie, I kind of forgot that was coming up. 
I mean, a lot of things going on. Yeah, yeah for sure. But as far as that stage went with the mover, uh, kind of the only saving grace, like full transparency that I think got us to third was they dropped that stage because the mover went down for everyone. Yeah. And I was like, yes. But then at the same time, I was like, God, I feel bad because I was like, I feel like I don't deserve this. <laughs> but uh, I was actually, it's going to sound cruel, but like when you started dropping rounds on day two, I wasn't worried about like, oh man, it's we're not going to place as well now because we're dropping shots. I was like, thank God he's human. Like <laughs> Philip Vallejo dropped a shot. I don't feel bad now. And so my first two shots I dropped were at the, uh, the uh the raccoon stage on the third position i said the only two you dropped on day one yeah on day one yeah day one yeah so um and then day two i dropped my first shot out the turkey uh and then followed up with that and then the next two i missed the first targets completely again low and then over the top um so then i just knew that i had to come down a tenth from my data. No, you had to no, come no, up. I had, I, had to, I, had to, I had to come up a tenth from my data. Excuse me. Um, which I haven't I, I haven't checked. So I only shot 95 rounds that whole weekend. And that's that's another thing that um, you know, I, I, going down into a different rabbit hole, but you know, when people ask me all the time, especially like, hey, what do you prefer, like Enerol Hunter or like the PRS? And, you know, my, my answer to that nowadays is like, it just depends on what you want to like, what do you want to work on? You know, uh, both of them suit its own specific training objectives. If you're like not looking at it from a competition aspect, um, the NRL Hunter works on, you know, more of the, uh, technical aspects of long range shooting, which is target acquisition, ranging your own targets, gear management, and, you know, uh, shooting a PRS competition is strictly shooting. Uh, you know, and maybe, maybe your ability to uh, call win, depending on what kind of squad you're in. You know, if you're, if you're uh, introvert and you don't talk to anyone in your squad, then yeah, you will be making your own win calls. But at the end of the day, it's you pulling the trigger 10 times in one stage, right? Versus an Enro Hunter, the most you'll ever shoot is eight rounds uh, that stage. But again, we average anywhere Four or five. Yeah, the most the most amount of rounds I shot per stage was five. Yeah. yeah. The most I did was seven, but that was on that mover stage. Yeah. Other than that, it was like four. I cleaned it with four or I dropped one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely like the field style matches because I like what it, – it, it's not just the shooting. It's find, range, and gauge, like to steal that from Solo. Um, Actually, you got that from me. Okay, to steal that from Solo, who stole it from Phil, because you're Phil Baleo. <laughs> so, um, the the fact of doing the entire process, I really like that. Um, now, I mean, as you know, I haven't done PRS yet. I intend on doing it, um, but I can say with I could change my mind, but I could say with pretty good confidence. I'm still going to prefer the field matches over the PRS stuff. Now, I appreciate what the PRS stuff uh, works on, uh, which you said as a prime example during the NRL Hunter match was um, knowing when time was getting low. It was like, okay, how much time you actually have. And so that helps you maintain coolness to do it because like, hey, 
30 seconds left. It's like, oh, I know I can go from here and then over there and take the shot fine. And I was fine with that too, but you just had more of the experience with the PRS aspect of like how long time actually is. Like when we, like when I was teaching like pistol carving and stuff, like you realize like how long two seconds actually is between out of the holster and getting around down range. Like that's a long time. And so I was able to base it off of that at least because I didn't do PRS. Um, going into these knowing like, hey, maybe 15 seconds. I was like, oh my God, this is so much time. So I was fine. And that part never affected me. Um, but I'd say I like the vibe of these field matches. Again, I haven't done the PRS stuff yet. Um, but I don't know, just, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> I'll do PRS here coming up. Uh, I'd like to at least get one in this year. Uh, not so much because I really want to do it, but just for the sake of being able to speak on it. And that's really the only reason. I mean, I, I like the aspect of the creativity and building positions and stuff like that. So I do like and appreciate that it works on that stuff. Um, I'm just going to try and avoid certain types of people. <laughs> yeah, I think it just it just depends on the mindset you come into the match, right? Your, your uh, understanding that like, hey, I'm here to uh, accomplish these specific training <laughs> objectives and tasks right not necessarily compete uh, at a high level right? right or you know care where you finish i think ultimately for you it's just uh getting exposure into that kind of for sure. uh, industry um but b be able to kind of test your own individual training uh standards right that you have for yourself in terms of like okay this is what i feel like you know, because everyone has a, a different idea of what a baseline shooter should be, right? Everyone thinks that like, okay, as a baseline shooter, you should be able to do X, Y, and Z, right? Um, and, you know, we were talking about this the other day, like, you know, our intro classes are technically already kind of advanced classes yeah. because we don't teach people, you know, how to mount their scope. We don't teach people like mills and MOA, right? We don't teach you all those numbers, um, you know, like you start rolling into it, understanding, hey, this is the circle of your components. Uh, all the rifles are already put together and we start showing you how to drive the rifle, you know? Um, whereas I think very like intro, intro level classes are guys that are like spending five hours teaching how to mount a scope and then teaching what uh, an MOA is right, and um, the mill re mill relation formula or the mill formula, whatever they, whatever you know, whatever terminology terminology they want to use and make it sound smart. Because there's, I, you know, I I used to do that. I used to teach at a course where like, you know, our goal was to to sound smarter than what we actually were, right? Um, We've all done it, and so, uh, you know, and I think what makes modern day sniper different uh, from other all the other training companies is the fact that we value how we communicate information and understanding that uh, a $1 question doesn't require a $10 response, right? You know, the goal is to give it, if he asks a $1 question, I'm going to give him a 50 cent response, right? And three or four different times. I found that a lot of times when the word ends, and again, this comes more from the pistol carving side, but the $10 words, they add, they add the words that end in Lee, like tactically, dynamically, emotionally, ethically, 
<laughs> foundationally. But whenever you add those leads at the end of it, I know that they're starting to talk out of their ass. And uh, now there's exceptions to every rule, of course, but I just got a kick out of it with the $10 word. <laughs> oh, this stuff's great. But yeah, man, uh, I think it was a super fun event. I wanted to play a couple videos here, but I think a lot of the people that are watching this are going to already have an understanding that we're doing a series. Uh, so just pay attention to the Modern Day Cyber YouTube channel. I know we haven't really been posting there much, um, but we've got an awesome guy behind the scenes, Dakota, who's been doing a lot of our video work. And um, he's been putting some pretty cool kind of vlog style, right? Um, not really, not completely polished, right? Uh, productions, but stuff that I think is going to relate to the shooters more in terms of like, hey, this is everything that goes on behind the scenes. Um, this is kind of what we're thinking, what we're feeling, how we get our gear ready. Um, and so I think people are going to resonate with that kind of vlog series. I, I had a lot of luck with it uh, when I did my Tika vlog. So that's essentially how I picture uh, the NRL Hunter Utah um, kind of series to go. So they'll see the videos um, when uh, when they come out and, and kind of our debrief points with those. But uh, what events do we have coming up? Um, we have... <clears throat> I'd have to look. To, I'd have to look at the calendar. Honestly, uh, I know next month is with Scout, right? Yeah. So next month. Uh, so the date of this recording is June twenty seventh, and next month. Uh, so Kalen's cl in class right now. He's got a positional clinic and a wind clinic in Yakima, <laughs> and then you and I will have an intro to. Precision Rifle here in Cody for oh, four yeah. days. Uh, and then immediately after that... Drive to Montana. Like that Thursday, we will fly or drive to Montana about five hours away, and we will do a class with Scout. You did a class with them last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, it was good. I did two of them, both yeah. his events. Uh, that's what he shot it off with. That's back when I was with uh, Achilles, um, and he recruited me to go do it. So that was a good experience. Um, it's a new venue this time, though, to my from what he said. So okay. I haven't been to this one, but it's yeah. actually closer. I think it's only like three hours. Yeah, three and a half. Nice. So it'll be good. And then we have uh, oh, that's July, August, um, August. We don't have anything. Uh, September is going to be, yeah, that's our first uh, scoped carbine. Uh, you might not be there. Or actually, I'm not sure if you're going to be there yet or not. We'll talk about that offline. But the that's in be, uh, Texas. Yep, that's going to be the intro to precision, followed by scoped carbine, and then it's literally going to be repeated September in Texas, October in Utah, November at Pig River in Virginia, and then December. It's not on the calendar yet on the website, and I, I get people that keep bringing this up to me. Um, I think we're still – it's Kalen's contact, so I think we're a go. It's just a matter of getting the dates lined up and then putting that on the calendar. But Arizona is going to be December. Um, it's coming, so I'll, we'll go public with that once it's on there. But, yeah, it's going to be intro to precision followed by scoped carbine for those four months in a row, to, and that will complete the year. Um yeah, and then in between that, we'll be doing competing, our online stuff, all that other stuff. So kind of busy. The summer is actually like probably our busiest. Yeah, uh, summertime is usually pretty busy. Yeah, um, we've been going. Yeah, we have. And 
we've got not only that, um, we're reworking all of our SOPs. Uh, we're changing systems and or like not even changing systems. We're creating finally a system uh, behind the scenes in terms of, you know, starting up an in-person class mm-hmm. or even uh, an online training class. And then um, you and I have started to make uh, doing the uh, – chipping away at the tripod masterclass, which I think, especially after seeing the Enero Hunter and how tripod heavy that was for uh, at least for us, uh, I know that you're know, looking at some of the pictures that Travis took and at some stages, guys were getting away with positions with um, a uh, double pull sky pod. Right? Yeah. But I think for the, for the average consumer that's not willing to spend a thousand dollars on triple pulls, right? I would more likely lean them toward a tripod Right, because I think it's more realistic. You can't you can't clip a well, I guess you can, but you can't clip a spotting scope to uh, sky pods, right? But you can with a with um with tripods. So, anyways, uh, tripod masterclass I think is going to be a super big hit for not only the hunting community but uh, that enroll hunting style community, um, and then all the riflemen that want to get more proficient from shooting from a tripod, um, and. Yeah, then you know, next thing you know, it's gonna be fall. It's gonna be hunting season. We got some general elk hunts or general hunts that I want to do this year with Michael, um, with for deer and, and elk. So, yeah, I um, I'm trying to like balance my time between, especially as I'm like leading up this gas gun program, where it's like you don't want to get too far out of the weeds with not training bolt gun, because uh, I still do all that stuff in the intros and the competitions but also making sure squared away on gas gun stuff. And then you spend too much time on bolt gun. Now you start to lack on the gas gun. So it's like, it's hard, man. It, it, it's really hard to be completely honest with you. Um, trying to, and it's expensive, like trying to go make sure you're proficient with a gasser and then proficient with a bolt gun and then trying to find time to get content for both. Um, so you, you guys are going to see more scope carving content. Like I haven't, I, trust me, I've not forgotten about it. Just please understand, like there's a lot going on between classes and trying to be proficient at everything. Um, so some things are going to suffer, but I'm doing my best to, or we collectively are doing our best to make sure we're going to have some stuff coming out for you guys on that. Um, because we got the tripod masterclass, like Phil said. Um, but we have not forgotten. We are still meaning to do a circle of components for gas guns and whatnot. So that'll be there as well. Um, I think a lot of my attention from here until at least our first scope carbine, I'm going to go back to putting a little bit more focus on the carbine because that is coming up soon. So I'm going to focus a little bit more of my money and effort to gas gun stuff and then occasionally getting the bulk gun in there. So I'm not losing reps on that. Um, but actually I've been meaning to ask you if you want to, uh, and it's kind of off topic, but not really because it's com- a competition. Mammoth in January. Would you want to do that? Uh, I think I've, we've got a wedding to go to in January in uh, Dominican Republic. Well, you can skip that. I'm sure that's fine. Like, <laughs> the, okay, so never mind. I didn't even tell you the dates. It's, I know it's in Jan- It's usually in January. It is, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not sure on the dates. It's probably going to be like the first or second week of January. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I think you would like that one. Have you done one before? I don't know if you No, done. I haven't done I haven't done a Mammoth, no. That was my first comp. Um, I just ran that with an AR-15 that I built, and we crushed it. 
but I figured I could just run a gas gun for that. And then you can run the bolt gun. My teammate, at the I know you like the PRS stuff. Um, just don't bring that PRS rifle. Cause that's what my, that's what Craig did. And he was rucking 30 miles with a 20 plus pound PRS gun. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I'm not doing that again, but I think you'd like it. Um, I think, I think for that event, I'd probably bring a 12, to f 12 to 14 pound rifle. That's fair. Yeah. Targets usually aren't that far. The farthest you'll shoot is like a thousand meters or yards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, I'm looking forward to the rest of this year and what we got coming up with the scope carbine. Um, I, I seriously need to get an optic because I sold that night force. I need to get an optic for, for that and a mount. Um, looking at getting the two to 10 loophole because it's kind of the hot commodity right now. Uh, so trying to get that and I'll run that for a couple courses, see how it performs, you know, give some feedback and maybe just run an offset acro on that. Um, but yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. And then especially, I know it's a little new to you, uh, but getting you involved with it as well. That'd be cool. Um, you and, uh, Michael, I'd like to get Michael involved with it. Give you guys like a little test run of the curriculum. That'd be a good time. If only we can find time. If we can find time. Yeah. <laughs> if so, we can find time. No, we'll, we'll make time. That's uh that's the beauty of, uh, of being able to make your own schedule <laughs> is, um, making time for stuff like that, that, that matters. And I'm pretty excited for the scope carving stuff. I think, yeah. you know, um, I, other than my limited experience with gas guns and in, in the Marine Corps with, with the M10 platform and the, sorry, M10, M110 <laughs> platform <laughs> and, uh, the, you know, AR or uh, Mark 11 and stuff like that. You know, we didn't obviously dissect them as much as, you know, I mean, we didn't even dissect a bolt gun. Right. So it's just like very, Remove very, very, uh, limited experience. So I'm excited to learn about the inner workings of how to make a gas gun run, um, efficiently, but, um, yeah, man. Uh, all right, guys. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast. Thanks for listening in for everyone that continues to listen to our podcast. I know we've been uh, slacking lately on the uh, consistency, uh, but I promise you we uh, haven't forgot about you guys. And uh, again, as a friendly reminder, if you are not already part of the Modern Day Rifleman Network, we that's where we try to push all of our um, thoughts and content to nowadays uh, just to get that community kind of uh, up and running and there's a lot of members there um, I know the again I know the app is not as intuitive as like Facebook or Instagram but it definitely grows on you but there are a lot of shooters out there throughout their different journeys just sharing where they're at and uh, minus know, all the social media drama it's just a good place with positivity yeah yeah guys that are just you know looking asking legit information and uh, they've got legit you know uh, people chiming in their experiences uh without all that uh bs yeah, so it's a good place but all right guys thanks uh, for listening thanks for listening and till next time keep your face on the gun